0: Whether you think ChatGPT is going to end high school English as we know it, or see it as a tool we need to learn to use with our students, online AI writers are here to stay. My guest, Dr. Amy Myers, has an interesting take on the debate, and I can't wait to share it with you. Welcome to the Rethink ELA Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Boyd Waters. Teaching English is never boring, especially when you're in the classroom. No matter how you look at it, our students are creative and willing to try new things. Dr. Myers and I talk about how you can introduce this new tool to help students not only learn how to use it at various stages of the writing process, and how it can be a thinking partner instead of a cheat, but also how teachers can design lessons that AI writers just can't handle. Join us for this conversation after these messages
1: welcome to the rethink ela podcast hosted by english language arts teacher michelle waters Prepare to receive strategies products and expert advice tailored to help teachers build social awareness student agency and voice in their ela classrooms
0: are you looking for ways to help your students write vivid sensory descriptions Searching for ways to convince them to use their writing tools after an extended break? The Rethink ELA Explode the Moment Narrative Writing Unit features mentor texts and exercises to help your students improve their skills within the context of their own stories or the ones they make up. Start with a favorite memory, like the best day ever, or write about a time when they felt important, or choose another positive memory or story that they love to tell. Then share the unit's mentor text for students to study the writer's craft. What worked well? What could the writer have done differently? What would you have written if you responded to that prompt? Even better, I've included a new version of my own essay that you can use to show students how I added, removed, and moved sentences and paragraphs from one version to the next. Once students have written and revised their personal narratives, they can share with their peers, enter contests, or get published. Order your unit now at RethinkELA.com ETMProject. Welcome back to the Rethink ELA Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Boyd-Waters, and today I have Dr. Amy Myers with me. She's an assistant professor at Texas Women's University, and I have known her for a really long time. Um, I was a baby master student at the University of Oklahoma, and she was there, and she was somebody who knew what she was doing and somebody I kind of aspired to be like. And so I'm super excited to have her here. So um, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, I'm excited to be here too. It's always fun to reconnect.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. Um, And especially over something new and innovative and in some corners a little frightening perhaps like ChatGPT. (laughs)
1: Well, it doesn't help that there's movies out there like Megan making it even more terrifying for all of us.
0: (laughs) I'm thinking like iRobot and all this stuff going through my head and (laughs) it's going to take over the world. But then, you know, people thought that about calculators and computers. So I'm kind of thinking maybe we need to dial it back a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So before we jump into all of that though could you tell us about yourself and kind of how, where you're at and how you got there and um, kind of that fun biographical information so we we know so that we can know like and trust you
1: <laughs> Absolutely so um, I'm currently an assistant professor at Texas Women's University um, but the way that I ended up working at Texas women's as a teacher educator, I think probably, goes all the way back to um, being in high school. I became a mother at 15 years old and um, my teachers made a world of difference for me and that's one of the reasons why I became interested in being a teacher. Um, I started off working on a bachelor's in English and I went on to do a master's in contemporary literature, but kept hanging on to that like bug to teach. (laughs) And um, luckily I was able to teach a Christian composition class when I was working on my master's degree and I just fell head over heels in love with it. And But I was really frustrated that a lot of my kids where my students were coming with um, a lot of struggles when it comes to writing and just doing a basic essay. So my mentor encouraged me to go be a public school warrior and that kind of thrusts me into the uh, trajectory of being a middle school teacher in more oh, Oklahoma, wow. um, and that's definitely a interesting spot to cut your teeth on, but middle school <laughs> was so much fun. Well, I'm in Texas now. They call it middle school, and I know in Oklahoma, they call it junior high in certain districts, but yeah, um, yeah teaching eighth grade was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Um, they kept me on my toes and kept me young. And then um, because I had a contemporary literature degree, I really missed teaching literary analysis and rhetorical analysis. And so um, I went on to teach high school for a little oh. bit after that, mostly 10th and 11th grade. And 11th grade was definitely one of my favorite grades to teach.
0: Same. I love 11th grade. <laughs> I
1: always feel they moved out of the sophomore slump. Um, uh-huh and they are starting to realize that they're going to graduate in like 18 months and be on their yeah. own. they are in just enough of a panic. to want to listen to you and trust you <laughs> a little bit more, I think. So yeah, juniors was a lot of fun and it was American literature, which is my favorite to play around with. Yes. So um, I was working in a high school and the principal came into my classroom to observe me. And afterwards she said, you know, have you ever thought of getting your PhD? And I was like, well, you know, I would love that, but I'm raising kids and working full time. And she just kind of cheered me on and encouraged me to maybe try to have a broader impact. And Uh so that's when I decided to pursue a PhD in education And it's been fun. I've been able to kind of combine that PhD um, in education along with my undergrad and master's in in English and kind of merge those together in a really beautiful way. So, and I've also had this like really um, unplanned, but cool vertical alignment where I started with middle school, moved into high school, (laughs) now teaching at the college level. Um, And I taught at the university of central Missouri and they're, English Ed program. And Uh then um, I'm now at Texas Women's University, which definitely feels like home, and I love everything about it. So I am in the teacher education program. I do um, undergraduate classes with teacher candidates, and then I'm also teaching grad level courses. And sometimes that consists of veteran teachers going back to get their master's degree, and then other times it consists of people getting their alternative certification with their master's degree.
0: So it sounds like you are interacting with teachers at several different levels of their career. And so I'm curious, kind of going back to our topic for tonight, um, what have you been hearing kind of on the ground from teachers about, you know, AI or artificial intelligence writers?
1: Well, I definitely think um, it starts as a panic. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I I think those who are panicking are sometimes the most vocal. Um, And I think that anything new can be really, really scary. But I also think that um, some being uncomfortable, or even inconvenience is sometimes what drives innovation. And so, you know, I've heard people say things like, well, we don't, we don't even need English teachers anymore, or we're going to be replaced, like you said, (laughs) by robots, like the (laughs) iRobot situation. Um, And I think, you know, like anything else, it's a spectrum of where people lie. I do see a lot of teachers who aren't so terrified of it as much as they are cautiously curious I would yeah. say, um, and then you have other people who are like, "This is the greatest thing ever created." <laughs> um, so I think it's good to have like a well-rounded perspective on it.
0: Yes, yes, and I absolutely hear that. I'm I'm leaning on the excited about it end of the spectrum, um, and I was just in a well, not a workshop really, but a, a conference, I guess, with the National Writing Project, where one of the presenters was saying that ChatGPT and other AI writers like that can make great thinking partners. And I thought, you know, that's such a great way to think about it, especially for those students who are struggling.
1: Absolutely. I know, I think for those of us who may have struggled as writers ourselves, when uh-huh. we were in the K through 12 system, I, I my, my brain just starts to run with all kinds of cool ideas of how this may have helped me learn to develop my voice as a writer.
0: Yeah. So kind of thinking along that vein, um, what are some ways that teachers could use this tool to help their students?
1: Yeah. So I think it's kind of, Two pronged, basically, Uh I think that there are ways that you could use it as your own teacher tool, which then we know when we have more tools in our toolbox, then we teach better. So that does trickle down to our students. And then so the first one is kind of those teacher tools. And then the next one is class activities. I think Uh one of the coolest things I've seen it do, and this is actually kind of a part of my research around um, culturally relevant pedagogy is um, making sure that the language we're using is relevant and appropriate for our audience, which is also a, Uh you know, a writing thing. Um, So I've seen it where you can like, you can put in a concept and you can tell it to basically translate that into a kid-friendly language. And uh-huh. that's one of the coolest things I've seen it do. So I remember when I was teaching eighth graders, for example, and I might try to explain um, juxtaposition um, or visual irony, and I could tell the way I was talking was going over my kids' heads. They kind of had the deer-in-the-headlights look. And so I, I think how really cool it would be to be able to just put that in there and it develop a kid-friendly explanation. Um, One of the other cool things I think that it does is um, create writing samples that you could use in your classroom that are specific to what you're wanting. Um, In my own classroom, I remember I used to do this zombie writing activity because it was, like, right about, like, the peak of the zombie sensation. And um, I wanted to give them examples of different genres of writing, but using zombies as an example. And it's pretty Uh hard to find an expository, a persuasive, like different (laughs) genre types, a a descriptive. Um, And so again, it would be amazing to be able to say, you know, write an expository paragraph about zombies. Write yes. a persuasive paragraph about a zombie situation, um, and so I could have just had that at my fingertips. Um, you can also yeah. tell it to create writing samples, basically almost around any concept that you would want. Like you know, using semicolons. Write a passage in active voice. Write a passage in formal voice and then you can ask it to revise it into informal voice. I mean, Uh you could even ask it to write a paragraph predominantly of compound complex sentences.
0: Yeah, and and, and not a... Not only could the teachers do that, but the kids could in class do that and talk about that as
1: well. And that's kind of what I'm talking about when it like moves into the classroom. So it gives you a great tool that helps you be more efficient and even maybe Uh even more creative. But then you get to, like you said, and that was one of the things that I was thinking of is like to teach revision or genre writing. You can give it to the students and say, okay, ChatGPT is amazing, but it does have errors. And so let's identify some of those or let's identify a way we could have written this paragraph better. Um, Uh The other cool thing that I I like to play around with it is to help my students practice elaboration. Uh And because a lot of the times that the essays that it spits out for you is pretty simple. And sometimes it just kind of regurgitates over and over again the same yeah. thing in just different words, right, yeah, and so yeah. it'd be really good to be able to teach the students okay what part of this is solid information, and now I want you to elaborate on it and make that paragraph stronger um and I've so, also go ahead,
0: oh yeah, <laughs> um, they could use that kind of as a foundation, you know whatever chat generates, and then add, you know, figurative language and add positive phrases and uh, more appropriate or more complex transitions and uh, add their own narrative to it in order to make it their own so that if they run it through one of those um, AI detectors, it's no longer detected as AI because they've changed it so much.
1: Right. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean, there's just endless ways you could use it as revision or elaboration. I've heard of several history teachers who've started playing around with it and they call it debate the bot. And Mm -hmm. so like you'll give it a certain topic and have it give you its perspective on that topic. And then you have to debate that. You have to come Uh up with a response type of thing. And I just, you know, that's something that I think would be really fun to play around with.
0: I wonder if that could be done, like, with literary analysis lenses or what have you, you know, different perspectives on um, characters or plot or or what have you.
1: Right. Yes, absolutely. And another cool thing is the, you can do Mad Lib activities. I know as a a middle school teacher, you know, they come to us post-summer for getting like basic things like a noun or a verb. And so for fun to kind of like just real quickly revamp all of that and review it, with the middle schoolers, I would always do Mad Lib activities with them. But I'd have to go out and buy the books or I'd have to look them up online. And it would be really cool to come up with my own fun topic and have it create a Mad Lib activity that my students get to do as like bell ringers for the first week.
0: Oh, yeah. And that can be fun and that can kind of build some community because the kids are enjoying what they're doing and yet, you know, they're writing and that can kind of build that culture in the classroom or help be part of that.
1: Right. I think for me, definitely when it comes to the creative writing standpoint is probably one of the best ways that you could use it to help your writers in the classroom like you said you know using it as a partner it's like a writing partner yeah and sometimes for some students being creative like if you know they're very good at those logical expository essays they might struggle with just coming up with something creative and unique and so like there's so many ways you could use it as a story starter. You know, it uh-huh. would create a title for you. I want to write a story about robots. Come up with a title for me. And it would come up with your title. And then, like, that gets the wheels really turning. Yes. And it's neat, too, because you could have it start creating the story for you but then you can go in and tell it okay change the setting i don't want it to be in the desert anymore i want it to be in the rainforest because i think that works better um yes they can play around with the tone they can reorganize uh paragraphs those types of things so they're still engaging in the writing process
0: yeah they've just got a a partner and i I think the important thing here would be to kind of have this all out in the open so like you've generated this in chat gpt show me what you generated there and now show me what how you've changed it how you've modified it to make it your own so if you've asked chat gp to create a a sample plot line or to create some characters for a mystery story that you're writing or um, if you've asked it to create a a setting then you know put in what or turn in what chat gpt gave you but then also you know, turn in on, you know, like in the same document, the changes you've made and what you've done so that it is yours. And that way right. um, it's it's transparent, I guess, is what I'm looking for. And it's part of the process, not, oh, you know, you have messed up or you've done something wrong.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think it, this moment in time allows us to have more authentic um well-rounded conversations about academic dishonesty with our students um but also you know how we can embrace technology and adapt to different things in our lives and you know it's not going to replace pen and paper like you know they could still use chat gbt Um, to establish the setting and the title of their story and then they sit at their desk and they have to write out the next paragraph or two while they're in class with you. Um, Mm -hmm. So you know it's a way that you could just merge it and it doesn't have to be everything and it doesn't have to be nothing.
0: So a question I have then is for those teachers who are really struggling with this and just kind of in that space where they're not sure that this can be a good thing, what, what encouragement would you give them?
1: I think I would remind them that most likely they became a teacher because yeah. they love learning. And this is just a new opportunity to learn something new. And it's just like we encourage our students to learn new things. It's good for us to continue learning new things. And like I said, most likely, as teachers, we enjoy that. It's one of the reasons why I went into education. And when I was a baby teacher, I remember I'd gotten a fortune cookie. And when I opened it up, the phrase was a true teacher knows that they are always a student. Wow. And I kept that and it's traveled with me for like 20 years and been on every desk I've ever had. Um, So it's just a reminder that, you know, I'm going to continue to learn because I love learning and that's why I went into education. So I would say, you know, just start doing some like simple Google searches. Remember when we were all scared of Google and Wikipedia and like here, now we are Googling everything. And so like, you know, which is a simple Google search. I found out some things about it that really kind of helped me grasp it a little bit better and how I could just make some tiny tweaks to my own classroom to make it work better And also to make it to where, you know, I have that balance. I don't want my students Uh using it to plagiarize. Like when I did like a quick dive into it, I know that um, it doesn't really know anything beyond 2021 right now. Um, so coming up with really, really relevant prompts, things that are happening right now within the past few weeks or the past month. Um, the other oh, thing wow. that it can't do is it really struggles with synthesizing information. So taking more than one resource, um, a, an example I love to give is over Christmas, my nephew who is in college, um, was playing around with it. And the first thing he asked it to do is to explain whether or not land acknowledgements were a good thing. And it wrote a pretty decent essay over that. But then we asked it to, because it's Christmas time and we're literally watching Elf together as a family. And so we asked it to compare Dante's Inferno and Elf. Oh, wow. And it did an awful job. It was literally just a summary of both of them repeated over and over again in five paragraphs.
0: Yeah, and that would be... A way to just, like, throw that into a classroom, just, like, take a day and say, hey, kids, let's try this and, you know, put it up on the smart board and see what it does and have the kids look at that and go, what's, you know, is there anything good about this? Is there anything bad about this? And I guarantee you that your kids will be able to identify some of these problems and recognize, oh, wow, this is not, you know, something that I want to use to just, like, copy and paste and say, oh, yeah, sure, I wrote this. (laughs) Right.
1: And like even give them a red pen, yeah. like print it up and give them a red pen and let them be the teacher for the day and, you know, kind of rip it up. And so, you know, just like a, a quick you know, Google search, you can find out those things about it that you're like, okay, not only could I make it to where my students can't plagiarize because it doesn't have these capabilities, but I could also then take that and use it for like a hands-on active learning moment with my students. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And then have that conversation about, you know, what happens if you are sitting there the night before something is due and you realize you haven't done anything or you think that what you've done is terrible. And um, what do you do? You know, how do you handle that situation? How do I as a writer handle that situation when I realize I'm struggling to write something?
1: Right. Yep, absolutely. And I think one of the exciting things for me that made it less scary is the more that I realized what it could, what its limitations were, what it could not do. It made me start to think about this is really pushing us as educators to really be more culturally responsive to our students. Just, you know, embedding their lived experiences into their writing, doing that blended learning because academic writing doesn't happen in a vacuum. Our lived experiences shape what we write about and how we write about it. And so, and then, you know, bringing in the relevant components of students' communities and their families. AI can't do that. And so I think the more that I look at culturally responsive teaching and the principles around that, it definitely seems to be kind of the the answer yeah. to the plagiarism issue. Yeah,
0: and I think if we and start then, with where students are and who students are and ask them to write about those things that are important to them, they're going to be less likely to want to plagiarize to begin with, especially when they know that somebody's absolutely. going to listen to what they have to say.
1: Absolutely.
0: So what would you say is the most important takeaway for classroom ELA teachers on this topic?
1: I think for classroom ELA teachers, the biggest takeaway is that, like I said, we are continuous learners. We are learning all the time and adapting all the time. You know, things have drastically changed from what they were just five years ago. I know, you know, from the research community, if you're researching technology and you're using an article from 2010, it's considered archaic. So, I mean, this is just the environment that we now live in, is that we need to be dynamic educators and be willing to continue to move around and to find ways to meet our students' needs within the environment that we're in.
0: Exactly. And, you know, with that in mind, I have several resources on the website, the RethinkLA.com website, um, with information about using chat GPT and um, about uh, being more culturally responsive with your assignments and in your interactions with your students. And so I, I know that this, what you've told us today and um, this interview will be great resources, a great resource to add to that. All right, thank you. Thank you. Looking for ideas this summer to help you engage students in reading in your classroom? I've got your back. I am updating the new curated short stories library with on-demand professional development to help you create your own lesson plans using what you know about your students and our resources. The library also includes an entire year of short story resources we have curated just for you. Who needs new textbooks? Not you. With our curated short stories library, you have links to PDF and or Word files of the short stories you need for your students. Even better, no more hunting for videos or audios to engage your students' interests. I have curated these resources for you and included them in an easy-to-access system on the Rethink ELA website. Just log into your account and download the resources you need to your computer, upload them to your school's private course management system, or display them on your classroom interactive board. Not a member yet? Just go to RethinkELA.com slash curated library and join us. Thank you for listening to RethinkELA podcast. I'm Michelle Waters, and I can't wait to give you a few resources I've developed to help you create a student-centered, collaborative, and creative learning environment. Download these resources when you join our mailing list at rethinkela.com/news.